Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. We're happy to have with us today, Brother Buck Matthews, and we'll turn the rest of our meeting over to him at this time. Brother Buck, please. Good morning. It's the Lord's Day. It's a great morning. Matthew chapter 27. There's an event there. Today's message is going to be based on a question asked by Pilate. And also the writer of the Hebrews in Hebrews 2.3. There's a question that's asked there that we'll get into as well. In fact, I'll mention the question now. Hebrews 2 verse 3 says, How shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation? This message today is appropriate for the non-believer, but it's also appropriate for the believers. If you get in a situation where you have to preach the gospel, whether one-on-one or whether it's to a group, this will be helpful to use some of these questions that I bring out today. If you need, if you're secure in your faith, that's great. But if you aren't, this message should help you concerning that too, because we talk about a great salvation. And if you're lost in your sins and you're on your way to the lake of fire, you need to listen as well. In verse 22 of Matthew chapter 27, there's a question that's asked. And the question is this. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called the Christ? Wow. Concerning this question here, we'll first get into the event. The event is that the Pharisees and the scribes and the elders and all have brought Jesus before Pilate. And they're using Pilate to get their, um, their fancy, what they wanted to do to Christ. So they're going to use him as a puppet. And hopefully we're going to learn something from this event. You see, Pilate knew that these people delivered Jesus because of envy. In fact, he was also warned by his wife. The wife sent a message to him that he's there on the throne and doing this situation with these crowds and having Jesus stand before him. He said, have nothing to do with this man, for I have suffered many days in a dream. Suffered in a dream this day. But as the Jews continued on, he remembered. He kept trying to get off. He wanted to keep the grid standing of the community of who he was. But at the same time, he tried to get it off and and get, get rid of this situation. He didn't want to crucify Jesus at all. Well, he remembered at the feast time, which was then, that the Jews were to choose. The Romans, they, they gave over one of the prisoners just as a gesture of kindness. And they said, every year there is this feast, and they said, well, choose a prisoner and we'll release him. And so Pilate said, well, maybe I can do it now. So Pilate went on and he, he said to the crowd, he said, this Jesus... Would you choose him or another prisoner to go away? Because we can release him today. 
Well, the crowd went, they went throughout the crowd saying, say Barabbas, say Barabbas. This is the first time Barabbas is mentioned, you know, they're saying, what did he do? And then they, they, they didn't say anything about what he actually did, but they said, choose Barabbas instead of Jesus. Well, the Bible tells us clearly that they said, when Pilate said, well, which one of these prisoners do you want, Jesus or Barabbas? They shouted, Barabbas, Barabbas, we'll have Barabbas. Well, then, Jesus, then uh, Pilate asked this question. They said, well, what do you want me to do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? And they said, crucify him, crucify him. Well, Barabbas wasn't far away. And he could hear the shouts of the crowd saying, Barabbas, Barabbas. And then he listened and he couldn't hear the question that Pilate asked, but he heard the answer that the crowd said, crucify him, crucify him. So Barabbas thought he was doomed. Boy, was he surprised. Because the Bible says that the soldiers went and released him from his fetters. And he said, they said you're free. Barabbas, he said, well, explain. How am I free? I heard them say Barabbas and crucify him. I said, I'll know. Someone else is going to take your place today. He's the substitute. He's going to be crucified instead of you. You know, that's a good gospel message right there, isn't it? Uh, that Christ was chosen to cru- be crucified and took Barabbas' place because he was definitely going to be crucified then. Well, what about Today? If you're within my listening ears or if you listen to this message in the future from the website, what will you do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? And there's three things I'm going to give to you because I think this is one of the most important questions that mankind ever asked. I said one. And I think it's up there real high. I've got three reasons why. First reason is, is that it must be answered by each individual that comes into this world. What will you do with Jesus? It must be answered. And then you say, well, you can't make me answer that question. Well, God says that if you don't answer that question, then you're like Psalm 14, verse 1, and Psalm 53, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He didn't speak it. He said it in his heart, there is no God. There is no God. I don't concern, have any concern. And the point is, is that you don't have to answer. If you don't answer, God is realizing that you're saying no to him, and that's it. No to God. In fact, because it's mentioned twice in the scriptures, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I'll read the rest of the verse. And both of them say the same. They have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that sought him, that understood. And every one of them have gone back to their own sinful ways and they have become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You say, well, I heard that somewhere else in the scriptures besides those two places. But that also reminds me of Job chapter 33 
and verse 14. God speaketh once, yea, twice, and man perceiveth it not. But I believe that the third time is a charm. And if you were to go ahead and, and, and look into Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 12, which we can go there if you want to. Romans chapter 3. Verses 10 to 12. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Sound familiar? There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They have become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. God speaketh once, yea, twice. Man perceiveth it not. But you could go on down that chapter and find out that God has given you a portrait of what mankind is in his eyes. In chapter, in 317 of that chapter, it says, The way of peace have they not known. And 18 says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. You must answer this question. And if you don't answer, well then God sees that you are disobeying. And you don't care for him. In Romans 6.23, it says, The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, the second reason that you must answer is because of you must answer now. In in Proverbs 27.1, it says, The... be it, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You must answer, and you must answer now. In Second Corinthians six verse two, it says, "And behold, now is except the time. Now is the day of salvation." In James four verse fourteen, the reason why you have to do it now is because the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And if you were to look in 2 Thessalonians 2, first 12 verses, it summarizes and says, we know not the day of his coming. So you must answer it, and you must answer it now. But that's not all. It says here in, in, in Isaiah 55 and verse 68, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. For he will have mercy and he will have abundantly pardon you. You must respond. You must respond now. And the third reason is that you must respond because it determines your destination, where you will exist in eternity, heaven or hell. If your answers are obedient to the verses that follow, then you will be safe in the arms of Jesus. The verses that I have is Romans 10, verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Acts chapter 4, 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby he must be saved. Acts chapter 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
and John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now understand that this question, what will you do with Jesus, that it must be answered, it must be answered now, and it must be answered because it has to do with your destiny, where you will be in eternity. You know, while you're thinking on that, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 and read a verse there. How shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard us? Brethren and sisters, and you are in the crowd today. Crowd. <laughs> you can't escape this salvation. Jonah was a good example. He thought he was going to run away from God. He didn't agree with what God wanted him to do, to go to Nineveh and preach the word for repentance. And he disagreed, and we know the story well. Now he got swallowed by a great fish, and finally... He understood the salvation is of the Lord. And he finally ended up going back and preaching to them. And the great city was revival. Revival in the great city. Onesimus in, in the book of Philemon, he also knew what was running, what running away from God got him. He ran straight into Paul the apostle and heard the gospel and got saved. Come back. He, he ran away from uh, the spiritual influence that he had there in his household. In Luke 15, the prodigal son. He thought the best answers was out there in the world. He ran from his father, took his money, and after a while, he didn't have anything. And he understood that even the servants in his household, father's household, had even more than he had. And he came back and realized that he couldn't run from God. Why? Why is it such a great salvation that you would escape? That's my question. Why would you want to escape the great salvation that I'm going to describe? The scope of it is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.17 says... uh, says that for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and all to, also to the Gentile. Jesus first spoke to the disciples, and he said, go not into the village of the Samaritans, nor go not into the way of the Gentiles but only to the lost sheep of Israel. But then John tells us in, in John chapter 1, verse 12, that his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he the authority to become the children of God. Today we can say, in John chapter six thirty-seven, he that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. Great salvation it is,
It's great because of its scope. The whole world, every individual, whosoever. And also it's great because of the price that it pay that it cost. The price of this great salvation <clears throat> in first Peter one verse eighteen to twenty, you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. That's a great value to man, gold and silver. But with the <clears throat> but you are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish or spot before the foundation of the world. We cannot earn it. We cannot buy the salvation. In Psalm 49, verse 6 to 8, it says, They that trust in the multitudes of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother or, nor give to God a ransom for his soul, for his precious soul, it says. It must be precious blood of Christ and only his. <clears throat> In Matthew sixteen twenty six and Mark eight thirty six together it says, both say, "What shall a profit a man? He shall gain a whole world and lose his soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul?" How precious! Let's imagine. Let's close our eyes for a minute and think about the redemption of the soul. What shall a profit if you gain the whole world and let lose your soul? Only the precious blood can purchase this redemption. Not even the value of the whole world. And if you have your eyes closed, think about it. Let's stack up all the diamonds in the world. Let's stack up all the gold in Fort Knox. Let's stack up all, all the different silver mines that it has, that the value and the silver has been brought out. Stack it up. Put all the deeds of all the land and the properties owned by the world. Stack it up. And I'm on. continue on. None of that is enough for one soul but the precious blood of Christ as a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. His blood is so precious that he can redeem everyone and anyone whosoever will may come. And that is how precious my Savior's blood is to God. In Ephesians 1 verse 5 to 7 wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. That's how rich he is. If this is all that I have to tell about this great salvation, it should be enough. But I ask you, why would you ever want to escape this great salvation that God gives to us but there is more of course there's more concerning why this salvation is so great we've talked about the scope of it to whosoever to the world we talked about the price which is the precious blood of Christ we talked about everything in the world is not capable of purchasing one soul now what can we say about the not the scope, not the price, but the future benefits of this great salvation. We can say the saved believer is delivered from the penalty of sin by the gospel of Christ and his work. 
We can say that the power of sin, we are delivered from the power of the sin positionally by Christ. In Christ, we are dead to the world, alive on the righteousness. And soon, so very soon, we will be delivered from the presence of this sin. Our great salvation provides victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken me, such as is common to man. But God, to the rescue, is faithful, who will not suffer us to be tempted above that which we are able. But he has provided a way of escape. That's the only way of escape that we may be able to bear it. God has provided a way for us. So we no longer are guilty of our sin. <clears throat> Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again. We also have power over sin by living life in the power of the Spirit of God. And soon we'll be from the presence of, of, of this sin as well. Soon God promises Christ will come again. First Thessalonians 4, verse 13 to 18. It says this. I would not have you be uninformed, brethren, concerning them which are asleep in Christ. Sorrow not as others sorrow that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him their soul and spirit with them. For this we shall say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain shall be coming unto the coming of the Lord, shall not go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we that are alive and remain shall be changed, and we shall be caught up into the clouds with those that have died in Christ, and their bodies have been changed. How they look? How does this body look? Look at First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, those bodies that are corrupt in the grave shall be changed into incorruptibility. And we that are Alive and remain, our bodies shall be changed into a body of glory like under his body. And we shall be taken up quickly in a moment and drink an eye. Now, and then it says at the end in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians, of 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, comfort one another with these words. If you are comforted by these words that he's coming again, amen. If not, think about it. What will you do with Jesus, which is called Christ? And how shall you escape if you neglect this great salvation? If you still want to escape, well then, here's the truth. Let us turn to Revelation chapter 20. Verse 11. This is what you had to look forward to. Now, this is no believer at all is at present at this. New heaven and new earth. The old heaven has passed away. 
And I saw, in verse 11, a great white throne. Him that sat on it, from whose face of the earth fled away, and there was found no place for them. Now we know that in chapter 6 of Revelation, the people said to the rocks, they went into the caves and cried for the rocks to follow and hide them from him that sitteth on the throne. And this is the one that sits on the throne at this great white throne. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to his works. You say, well, that's a general judgment. Well, you might call it a general judgment, but it says all are dead. They've been brought out. Not dead in Christ, just the dead. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. This great white throne. Why is it so great? Because there is actually to be a enormous task of righteous judgment to be happened. It's white because of purity in the one who's on the throne. And he that is on the throne is a judge of all the earth to settle your destination. That judge gives the, the, those present the power to stand before him because the whole earth and the heavens fled away. They had no power brought up and God says you will stand before Christ as your judge. And in verse 12, they're judged according to their unrighteous works in the books. But the final judgment is the second death. In verse 15, whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Where? The devil, the Antichrist, the false prophets, Judas Iscariot, Hitler's, and those good old goody-two-shoes, so to speak, churchgoers that did nothing about trusting in Christ. They will be there in the second death, which is a spiritual death. And then it reminds me of this question that is asked in Isaiah 33, verse 14. Who among us will dwell in the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell in everlasting burnings? Who? Who among us? You must answer this question. What will you do with Jesus? And don't escape. Because you can't escape the judgment of God. You must answer it, and you must answer it now. And you must answer to determine where you exist in eternity, heaven or hell. What will your answer be? There's a song, I promise I won't sing it to you. I promise that I will read two verses in this song. What will you do with Jesus? Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, and betrayed by all. Hearken, what meaneth the sudden call? What will you do with Jesus? The chorus goes on, what will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday 
your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Verse 5 of this song. Jesus, I give thee my heart today. Jesus, I'll follow thee all the way, gladly obeying <coughs> thee will you say, this will I do with Jesus. What will you do with Jesus? New to you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? So that is why I believe that those two questions are some of the most important questions that will ever be asked in the world today. Let us pray. (coughs) Billy, go ahead and close in prayer, please. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have there the advocate, as we've seen the picture today of the Lord Jesus Christ, seated the great white flag. It's a frightful thing to think about. We praise you, Father, that those who know Christ the Savior will not stand in that judgment. We pray, Father, for those who will, that they will turn and be more Praise you that we have an advocate. We praise you that we have a Savior. And that question that was asked, what will you do? What should I do, Pilate asked, with Jesus? <laughs> only he given the answer himself when you can do with the Lord Jesus. <coughs> For today, the word has gone out that it would be taken into hearts, and Father, we would consider uh, first what we would do with Jesus as Savior. And Father, those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, uh, what manner of life should we live in light of these things? We ask your blessing as we part now, and I'll say your name. Amen. Amen.